Hey friends, thanks for joining me, Jim Baroud, to hear a few insights from leaders who represent our innovation ecosystem. Today's chat is with Victoria Montgomery Brown, a media technology and education leader and the author of Digital Goddess, The Unfiltered Lessons of a Female Entrepreneur, and Kelsey Gosserand, writer, speaker, blockchain evangelist, and currently an executive at IBM. Victoria, why don't you start us off? Sure. So I'm Victoria Montgomery Brown. I am co-founder and until recently CEO of Big Think, which is a knowledge forum that helps people get smarter, faster through the wisdom of the world's leading thinkers and doers across disciplines. So people ranging from Elon Musk to Malcolm Gladwell. And we exited at the end of 2020. So it's still going strong and I hope you will check it out. Awesome. Um, Kelsey, go ahead. Thank you. Um, my name is Kelsey Gossrand. I'm the worldwide technology sales leader for supply chain um, with a big focus on sustainability and blockchain. Um, prior to that, I led a, a community building engine called Trellis, where we worked with um, startups and organizations, large companies as well, launching their next big idea in crypto and blockchain. Great. So, um, we hear about supply chain a lot these days. How is that affected in your job? And you're obviously in tech, but do you feel the effects of supply chain in your job? I, well, I mean, supply chain is affecting everyone. Um, you know, I'm sure you've, you've seen on the news, order your Christmas gifts now if you want to have them delivered on time. I mean, it touches every part of our lives. Um, and, you know, it, how it touches me personally and with my work, um, you know, I think about we're all distributed. Uh, we're trying to figure out ways to be more sustainable. How do we get to net zero, like reducing carbon emissions significantly to zero by 2050? And what are some of the things we can do as a company um, to you know, kind of enforce these better practices? So, you know, tracking travel, um, camera usage actually really takes up a lot of, um, bandwidth and affects our carbon footprint. So there's a number of things that we're looking at holistically to um, meet that goal and, you know, kind of eat, eat our own dog food because we're selling the solutions to, to help mitigate that. Great. And we're going to get into other stuff, Kelsey, because I know you have experience in blockchain and you just told us about an NFT. We're going to get into that too, because that's really fascinating. Victoria, you failed to mention your book. We'll get into oh. that. We'll get into yes. that. Too. I am also a writer, author of a book called Digital Goddess, The Unfiltered Lessons of a Female Entrepreneur, which is about the wonders of starting your own business, which is wonderful. It's challenging, but wonderful. Good. All right. We're going to get into that. I love the title. Um, so let, let's talk about that. So you both have had a lot of experience with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship and ecosystems. Um, tell us what the state of female entrepreneurship is these days. Are things getting better? Um, or can they be so much better? Or Kelsey, why don't we start with you? Uh, you know, I think things are getting better and yes, can also be so much better. Um, I think there's been a lot of visibility on the inequities of uh, female founders and resources that are typically allocated to male founders are disproportionately applied to women founders and other misrep um, or underrepresented groups. Um, so that's really great that we're talking about that now. Um, 
I don't have the numbers of new women entrepreneurs hitting the market and in what vertical. Um, I am an investor as well, but I, I do feel that the space is opening up and uh, we're seeing a lot of interesting, innovative projects come aboard. Yeah, for sure. And as an investor, are you focusing on certain areas or sectors? Supply chain and blockchain. I mean, saying that sounds really weird. It's like a broken record, but yeah, um, I invest in supply chain startups. Got it. All right. We're going to get into that blockchain later. So Victoria, what about you? How do you see things from your vantage point? I think it's a fabulous time to be a woman founder. I think people are looking to invest in women. Um, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. I think the last five years has really sort of changed in that regard. When I started, I was the CEO and co-founder and I would walk into the room with my other founder who was is a guy and mm. everybody would look to him like, this is the, the moneymaker. This is the person who's starting it. And that wasn't the case. And I just think that that has totally shifted. There are so many examples of successful female entrepreneurs today. And I honestly think it's an advantage being a woman if you're starting a business today. Great. Yeah, no, I, I think things are certainly shifting and there's a lot more attention. So that's certainly helpful. And Victoria, where are you from? I heard a slight accent there. Yes, you are correct. So I was actually born in Toronto, but my accent is not Canadian. My mother was Irish, so I grew up um, also in Ireland and my dad American. So I have three different passports and a very muddled accent. Got it. And you're now in another part of the country, not, not the New York area. Yes, I am in the, I guess, does Florida count as the South? I'm not sure. But um, anyway, I'm in Florida currently, but my New York is my home. Got it. Florida is its own thing. Yes, <laughs> it is. And Kelsey, where are you? And where are you from? Uh, well, I'm currently in Brooklyn, New York, but um, I, I've lived everywhere. I you know, grew up with a military family, so born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and spent my formative years in Europe and came to New York after college. So I now claim New Yorker. Got it. And we met did we meet in Montreal or Haiti or Jamaica? No. I feel like we met in Haiti for uh, Christine's tech conference. And um, that was an amazing event. And yeah. And our, our thoughts and prayers go to that country. Right, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's had a really terrible time. So, all right. So female entrepreneurship. Obviously, Victoria, you wrote a book on it. Kelsey, uh, you've had a lot of experiences. Talk to us about share some anecdotes about, you know, you know, and it's okay if they're, you know, scary and, and not so nice, because I think it's important for people to hear about what you guys have, what women and you guys may have gone through um, in the past. Um, I mean, from my perspective, I think I've always looked at being a female or a woman founder as an advantage because it's, been heretofore pretty atypical in a way. I mean, not in small scale things because people are constantly starting businesses like restaurants and other services, but in the tech and media space, it's a little bit more rare. And for me, there have been, you know, strange challenges. I mean, I used to work prior to founding Big Think. I worked at Charlie Rose. I was not one of the 
the women that had the experiences that others did, but it's always, it's always present, I suppose. And um, I don't know, I don't, I don't really have any bad experiences. I, I think I've been wary and understanding that danger is out there, so to speak, but have managed to successfully navigate or avoid it and really played the fact that I'm a woman to my advantage. And I know that's not necessarily PC to say, but sometimes being different is a huge benefit. Mm. And it certainly has been for me. Got it. Kelsey? Uh, you know, I, I think I've also been pretty fortunate to not have um, anything, you know, bad happen to me during my experience as a founder. Um, I've definitely experienced, you know, microaggressions and that adds up and, you know, really informs um a lot of the ways I operate currently in business, but uh, my advice to women who are entering that that big world of entrepreneurship and um, founding something for the first time, it's really important to uh, develop a community, and in that community can include other female founders, uh, investors, um, different major companies, you know, it, it, it could be vast, but um, having a community to lean into, commiserate with, learn from, um, is tremendously beneficial. And it's a network that you can always tap into. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I'm glad you guys mentioned those, those experiences because that's really important. Now, let's, Kelsey, let's talk to you about the funding outlook. Let's say in general, right now, you know, we're lucky with Zoom, there's investment and there's so much money, right? Or at least it's statistics show. We are awash in money um, in, in venture capital and angel money. So how do you see, you know, you've seen this throughout the past five years or so or more as an investor. How do you see those changes and what we can look forward to going forward? We, there's so many different lending or funding instruments and, um, you know, we're seeing SPACs that are really proliferating. Um, we work, I think went public through a SPAC and I really have no idea where that market's going to go, but that's, it's been very interesting that there's new routes to going public, um, which makes me feel incredibly bullish about, uh, our future outlook. Um, when I entered the scene, we were launching ICOs, um, which were, you know, very intuitive for blockchain projects because we wanted to use crypto as that as a, as a means for that. Um, now that's fully out of fashion and it's being involved into um, other mediums. And you know, I, I, I'm excited. Um, I do traditional VC, but, um, you know, what I've seen hit the market in terms of offerings and the amount of money that's out there uh, to offer companies and they're starting to go public sooner. So it's, it's really interesting, the public aspect and the new companies that are coming to, uh, you know, I'm reviewing for funding. Um, maybe I should pivot and talk a little bit more about like the portfolio that I'm looking at and what's interesting to me in terms of investments, but um, I'm looking at early stage companies that are creating interesting, sexy, um, easy to use uh, resources for enterprise consumers based on supply chain. And so supply chain is the deep industry um, use case. Uh, the implications of where it could be applied, I'm pretty, pretty wide in. 
Um, some of the more interesting projects are in the CPG space, uh, restaurant space. So I'm just really intrigued by um, a lot of the, the new deals that are, that are coming through and there's a lot of opportunity out there. Is the number of deals coming through greater um, and are the number of investors greater? I think they are. How do you yeah. see that sort of, is it, are we happy with the pipeline? Are we happy with all this, uh, all the possibilities of funding? I am happy with the pipeline. I would say it's a pretty robust pipeline. I think it's really great when we have a lot of investors. I mean, you know, it, it's, I think this is general knowledge. Investors came from two camps. They went to Harvard or Stanford, um, very homogenous profile. So we're, you know, that's expanding. There's a lot of women who are entering the scene as investors. There's a lot of people of color who are entering the scenes as, as investors. So that's increased the opportunities because we invest in people we know that we trust, that we can validate their networks. And as you get a more robust group of people giving money, you're going to have a more robust group of people submitting deals and opportunities for funding. Right. No, absolutely. And we just, we have golden seeds, obviously that's women investors typically. And uh, you're right. The mix of investors has, is changing and that's just going to be good for, for everything. Victoria, how do you see things? Um, in terms of investment opportunities and the ability to get investment, I think it's easier than ever. Now, I'm not in the midst of starting a company, but I'm sure I will in the next year or so. And I feel like I raised money in 2007. It was hard um, to do it then. And I think today it's money's being thrown at bad ideas, honestly, and good ideas too, but even bad ideas because people have so much fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, um, a person who had never started a business, I won't mention his name, but based on an idea on a napkin raised $80 million. And that would not have happened 10 years ago. Wow. Oh my God. I want to hear what the idea was. <laughs> you he's know, an amazing salesperson. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Also, he's a dude with a um, hoodie. So that helped. There we go. It wasn't, it wasn't a known person. <laughs> okay. Uh, the hoodie privilege. All right, fine. Um, all right. So funding check is good. Diversity of funders, good. Pipeline is, is healthy. Um, that's all good. Now, what about talent uh, as far as tech talent, entrepreneurial talent, diversity in talent, right? We, we hear now there's shortages of talent, uh, particularly during the Great Resignation. Um, how do each of you see that? affecting sort of the ecosystem. Kelsey, why don't we start with you? There's a lot of different ways I can take this. Um, I think if I, you know, starting with the great resignation, I think that it's, you know, the incentive, you know, structure is changing and it's moving into employees wanting, you know, they have leverage now um, and they're looking for fulfillment. They're looking for opportunity to advance. Um, and so flipping the script on who has hand in the situation from your employer now to your, you know, your being in powders employee, I think is a really great thing. Um, in terms of talent, I see a lot of interesting opportunities coming out um, that are not just for engineers, developers, designers. 
I'm seeing a lot of um, need for soft skills, for sales, for project and product management, um, for customer success and managing relationships. And so those soft skills that we were told, you know, to ignore once we moved into the computer age are really of necessity now. And now that we're remote and we're communicating via camera, like how do we really compel uh, others and how do we get on there, you know, kind of win favor. And so um, having those skills are more important than ever. And so um, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a very glass half full person in terms of if you're looking for uh, work, if you're looking to enter the startup space, um, I would definitely speak up on how can I leverage those soft skills, those writing skills, communication skills, et cetera, um, and use that to my advantage. Well, I'm really glad you said that, Kelsey, because after having run a company for 13 years, I decided to do something called On Deck, which is this very interesting mm -hmm. um, company. And I wasn't looking to it to get a job. I was literally looking to see what is out there. I've been in this one role for 13 years. And I will say that they, they provide um, opportunities. You get to see startups and things like that and meet the people who have founded them. And they talk about open roles. From the perspective that I have, just having finished it a, a couple of months ago, literally 95% of the um, jobs that people were looking to fill were engineering. And while they spoke a lot about the fact for needing soft skills, if it wasn't sales or serving sales function, they only wanted engineers. And that to me was really disheartening because that's a skill that people can learn, which is great, but it's not a fundamental part of who a human human being is. And if you go to this website called Lean Hire, which is great, look at it and it's literally 95% of the jobs are looking for full stack engineers, any type of engineers. There's nothing on there that is looking for, we're looking for a creative person. We're looking for somebody to help us grow our company beyond something technical. Yeah, so in response to that, finding engineering talent is super hard. And um, these platforms are going to invest, I mean, it's also expensive to have these platforms. And so they're going to promote those engineering jobs um, because they, there's very, very specific job specs and they can crowdsource and usually, um, usually are successful in hiring from that. Um, they are not great platforms for the softer creative jobs. And so a lot of that is through networks. And I, you know, I get a lot of job recs, a lot of JDs that are sent my way to, you know, share that are looking for, I'm looking for a chief customer success officer. And we don't really have a great job description for that, but here's kind of the qualities that we're looking for. And maybe you can help me mold this. And so it's, it's, this new wave of um, soft skill focused jobs are kind of still being crafted and developed. And I, I could imagine you're not gonna find them on these job boards. Um, they're gonna be a lot more curated. Yeah, no, that, uh, that's really good insights. Um, but the speak to the, the pipeline should slowly be getting better in the tech area, right? With so much attention paid, 
so many training programs, right? Shouldn't it be getting better or is just where you have such a surge of demand that, you know, an entitled, not entitlement, power from the worker, um, that is that, is that just a reality we're in for a while now or if it, will things get better from your perspective, Kelsey? I feel like it will get better. Um, I feel like companies are going to have to acquiesce to this new normal that we're experiencing and you know, build in some type of incentive structure that benefits employees, protects them from burnout, um, allow things like paid maternal and paternity leave. Like the US is way behind in offering um, employee incentives you know, the same way they are in Europe. So, you know, companies are going to have to update um, their offerings to be not just monetary, but unlimited time off, vacation, you know, ability to work from anywhere. Um, So, you know, we have to demand that from our companies. And I think once companies catch up to what's happening in other parts of the world in terms of those benefits, um, you'll see better retention. You'll see you know, those gaps closing a little bit more in terms of open uh, vacancies and jobs and having, you know, this abundance of very qualified people who are still holding out until it's, you know, the right fit. Right, right. So, uh, Victoria, you wrote a whole book on, you know, stories about female entrepreneurship. Can you share, you know, maybe one, uh, take a deep dive into one of them? Sure. I mean, one of the I guess one of the main themes in the book is about transparency. So for me, really putting the negative stuff out there um, clearly and openly as quickly as you can, I think has served me well because people know, especially our investors and things like that, knew that I wasn't going to deliver bad news slowly. And I don't know if transparency to me is, is fundamental in business. And I think we're seeing that now to use an example of another female founder, Elizabeth Holmes. Like if you keep stuff under wraps and keep thinking that the bad news is going to go away and that you're going to somehow get over a hump that you have lied about, it's just not going to happen. And I don't know what drove me to be so transparent the entire, my entire professional career, but That's something that I would advocate for people. And if you think you're delivering bad news and it's going to get you into trouble, honestly, it's more likely that positive things are going to come from it because people will trust that you're just not going to hold on to falsehoods. And so that's one thing. So I would say. All right. Uh, Kelsey, how do you see the the Holmes, uh, Elizabeth Holmes scandal? Is that sort of... I don't know. How do you view it? I won't lead you into that. Just yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting. Um, she is using a very classic playbook of fake it till you make it, and um, and it caught up with her, and and now she's paying for it. Um, you know, where we've seen this in the past with Mark Zuckerberg, with the former CEO of WeWork. I mean, this has happened, and I. I I think she's going to be the one that falls on it, falls, you know, she's going to be the martyr and have to ultimately pay for the classic Silicon Valley sin. Um, And we can learn from it. We can have more, create more compassionate, um, vulnerable, radically transparent uh, companies that 
will get better. Um, and for that vulnerability to happen and transparency, you have to create these safe spaces for people um, to be able to be honest and, you know, and feel like they can speak up. And she had a board of directors that were very, you know, they liked each other, but I don't think anyone felt safe to really call out what was happening and question what was happening, especially with the amount of money that was coming in. So it's, it's very interesting that, you know, this is not an isolated situation. Um, and the coverage is really kind of showing that this is happening in a lot of organizations and has happened and proliferated um, over an extended period of time. So it's interesting. Yeah, that's for sure. <clears throat> so Kelsey, we, you mentioned blockchain before. Um, tell us what you're seeing in the blockchain sort of landscape, including crypto. What's your, and you're in the thick of it. You, you know a lot about it. Tell us where we're at, where we're, can you forecast where we're going? No, I can't. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, my, my focus is enterprise blockchain solutions. And, um, and that's when you think about why blockchain is amazing it, for all of the reasons, you can see why supply chain is a really great use case. So it's not very sexy, but it's, it solves a lot of, um, a lot of world problems. Uh, in terms of crypto, I have no idea where it's going. I got a text this morning about a new Shibu Inu coin. Shibu Inu, the dog. Um, there's a oh new God, coin that is up 700%. As of this morning. And so I, I can't really keep up with all of the coins that are coming up and and what to invest in. I, I dabble with a few of them and um, I, I don't want to offer any advice here. Um, it's probably dangerous, but I have no idea where the, the crypto market's going. Um, we have exchanges like Coinbase and Binance that are going down for days at a time. That's throwing everything into a storm. Uh, last week, Bitcoin for 30 seconds uh, went down to 8,500 a coin. Whoa. What? 30 seconds because someone dumped 500 Bitcoin like they they sold. And so that affected an exchange. So it's it's in flux and it's uh, the crypto news feed is like an onion page. It's just ridiculous. And yet I just saw uh, on CNBC a commercial that Matt Damon, beautiful commercial hmm. promoting crypto.com. So hmm. it's really, um, it's- I can't started. believe I didn't buy that domain. I mean, I would- <laughs> Well, speaking of regrets, what is your biggest regret? Is it that you didn't buy enough uh, Bitcoin or what would, what would you say? No regrets. Um, you know- I mean, just put it in perspective, when I bought Bitcoin, it was $215 a coin. So maybe I should have bought more in hindsight. Um, and Ethereum was, it was, you know, $6. It, you know, it's ridiculous to think about like that now, considering how, you know, crazy it is. But um, it's a regrets, you know, in the crypto space, we need more diversity and um, it's not a regret, but, you know, maybe being more visible in that space and doing more advocating for women and, and more enablement around resources. I mean, when I first started Trellis, I was really my focus. Like, how do I distill this really financial mumbo jumbo tech nerd 
stuff that I have to, you know, I'm, I'm literally digging through Reddit's like, you know, like an explorer, how do I make this accessible to more people? Um, that's my original love. Um, I don't, you know, the fact that that's not a full-time focus now, um, when this is like a desperate need, it's not a regret, but you know, that it's something that I wish I could kind of expand myself in all areas to, to do a little bit more of. Yeah. So before we get to questions, if anyone has questions, please submit them. You had a story about your, your big NFT success. Mm-hmm. Share that with us. So if that's considering it's, it gets sold, but um, I managed to get in on um, an NFT and I, I want to say it's a pink elephant or I can't even remember the name of it and essentially purchased it for including gas fees, a few hundred dollars. And it's now being relisted for, I would say $50,000 and for, and it's a six month list, listing. So we'll see what happens. There's apparently, um, according to Reddit and all the, you know, Discord and crypto news, and there's some unique features that this particular NFT has that's valuable. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really funny. And um, it's kind of like, um, I'm going to date myself when I say this, but it kind of reminds me when, um, what were those little collectible stuffed animals that everyone had in the late 90s? Beanie Babies? Yes. It's kind of like the Beanie Baby craze. They, you know, limited supply. Each one is slightly different. And, you know, they were going for, you know, wildly like inflated rates. And it was a business. And so, um, you know, I'm sure people are going to, you know, say this is not a Beanie Baby but the way these are going off the market and you, you can literally NFT anything, like, I don't know what else to compare it to. We can NFT this podcast. There you go. Let's do it. All We're right. going to be rich. Exactly. <laughs> Before we um, get some questions, share with us just one thing you recommend um, to all women who are looking to launch a business. For me, I just say, just go for it. No time like the presence, just jump right in, get started. That's the hardest thing. Okay, Kelsey? Um, you know, I would build a sphere of influence. Like I would build a network um, and really understand what you're solving for. Like, what is this, what's the pain point you're solving for? Is this a technology solution or can it be something else? But, you know, I'd really focus on honing in on a really, really good pain point use case and validating it through various means. Um, and then like Victoria say, once you validate it, jump in and you learn by doing. Um, so that'd be my advice. Got it. And, and just to emphasize now is the, it's so inexpensive to start a business. The risks are so low, right? So clearly building out, out an MVP, yeah. get help. Um, there's so many, oh my God, there's so many, programs. I mean, Y Combinator has startup school, which is fully online and it's a 13 week program. Um, I really recommend it. So yeah, there's, there's so many ways to get in and build a community around what you're doing. For, for kids uh, or young people in, in, in high school or college, are there certain, let's say classes or skill sets you would recommend or majors you would recommend they take knowing what you know and 
knowing the future, like we all know, what would you recommend? Well, I could do college. Well, just, you know, I, I was a theater major, um, theater, history, and literature. And then my graduate degree was in corporate comm. So I'm very liberal arts focused. Um, if I were to do it again, I'd probably keep all of that at economics as a major. Um, I, I just think it's a really great primer. Um, but I actually don't think there's anything specific you should kind of gravitate towards. Like, I'm not gonna tell you to get a computer science degree, for instance. Um, there's just too many avenues into tech that having, you know, a special degrees, it's just one of them, one of many. Well, specifically to that point about computer science, I mean, we always used to say, learn how to code. Mm-hmm. And uh, some folks would say, maybe not so important because the AI or machine learning is starting to code and now there's no code stuff. So what's your take specifically on coding? Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, where there's a big push for no code, um, engineers are expensive and, you know, we want to create beautiful things, tell compelling stories and do it quicker and change and when needed and not have to, you know, do an overhaul in the infrastructure. So um, if, if you're prompt, if you don't have a inclination for coding, I wouldn't force it. Great, great advice. Victoria? Well, I would say the one drawback that I had being the CEO of a company, which was a media company, knowledge company, but did require a lot of development. That, that uh, like train has passed, I suppose. But back then it would have been super beneficial for me to be able to speak the language of coders because mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was being duped or anything. You know, it was, I had to take people on their word. So if I could go back, I would have studied a little bit of basic coding. Um, right now it may not be necessary. And there are all these incredible companies, AI companies that are doing all the writing even for you and stuff. So who knows right now, but back then I might have done it. Got it. Let's let's switch to uh, ecosystems. I know Kelsey was very active in ecosystems, right, uh, and have been in the in the uh, right now, essentially building community. How is New York doing, Kelsey, these days? And are you hopeful? You know, post pandemic. Yeah, I mean, New York is very much alive. I mean, complete one eighty from last year. Um, I just got forwarded a list of NFT parties in New York. And it, I won't be going to any of them because I'll be traveling, but it's very interesting. It's, it's picking up. It's a very robust scene. Um, so I'm optimistic. It's great. Great. And Victoria, I know you were in the city. Now you're in, in Florida. What, how, what's your take as you, as you view things from Florida? Well, I go back to New York at least twice a month um, or more. But as I said to you, the logo or whatever, the marketing pitch is make the sunshine state the startup state. And as we had discussed before going on air or whatever, that a lot of um, companies, uh, startups, and even major crypto and finance companies are moving down here. I'm sure partially because of the taxes, but also because people have just realized after a year and a half of you know, being locked down and stuff like being outside is not such a bad thing. And so there is a huge movement of interesting 
tech companies and investment companies that are coming to Florida. Got it. And I guess we, but we can all agree that wherever you are, you can find the resources to start a business and grow a business. It's so much, it's particularly post pandemic with Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's investors, you know, uh, being able to source deals everywhere um, or people being able to get education or tips online and, and build networks online. I think we're, we're just in a great sort of golden age, I think of entrepreneurship. So, so that's a really good thing. So we're gonna, you know, we usually ask for a poem or a saying, and I wanted to see uh, if you guys can share something with, with our audience today. So Kelsey, why don't we start with you? Okay, I, I, I'm gonna rely on my favorite, um, Maya, Maya Angelou, and it's one that it's quoted by a lot of people, but it holds a lot of sentiment to me. Uh, We'll never, well, and I'm also going to misquote it, but it's really around, uh, you won't remember what people said or have done to you, but you will always remember how they made you feel. And so I always like to enter a situation or engagement, um, making sure my good feelings of sensors are on so I can you know, leave that warm and fuzzy feeling after meeting people. That's a great one. Victoria, go ahead. Sure. So this is something that my dad used to always say to me and to my siblings, and I'm sure it's Buddhist or something, but it was the notion of seeking what you're looking for. And it was grasp and it will surely elude you. Open your hands and it just may come. Mm. That is beautiful. Both of those are great. Well, Victoria, Kelsey, I want to thank you for, for doing this. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please like it, leave a review, and subscribe. See you soon.